Welcome to the Sunday Tennis Q&A with high performance coach Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally respected author and educator and is regarded as one of the leading junior development coaches in the world. Join Chris weekly for the most intelligent tennis talk show on the planet as Chris answers questions from his audience around the world. And now, here's Chris. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris, Sunday Q&A, live with me. We're back after a two-week hiatus. I'm here with my co-host, Sammy. Sammy, what's up? Say hello, Samboy. He's my hairless dog. How are you, buddy? I missed you this week. I was so busy traveling. Everyone say what's up to Sammy. Sammy's my resident footwork expert. And all-around nice guy. We're going to go for lots of walks this week. Had a busy weekend. Sorry I missed you so much. Say hi. Hello, everyone. All right. So we're back, guys. I'm sorry about the couple weeks where I was absent, but, you know, I was doing my ambulance thing. I drive the ambulance for the city of Hoboken, volunteer. So I was doing that. And then we had a big workshop up in Vermont. We had a coach education workshop on building world-class technique and also building prodigies. So it was a very good workshop. We actually filmed the whole thing. So we're going to be coming out with that. It's going to be digital, a digital course that you guys can purchase and watch from anywhere in the world. So it's, that's going to be coming out real soon. We worked on my new digital course, hashtag whip which is a forehand course on building the modern Spanish forehand. So I'm very excited about also sharing that with you guys. Welcome to anyone who's from our online school. I'm starting to get more and more online students, which I'm very excited about. I have students from around the world now at clta.teachable.com, clta.teachable.com. I've got a family from Nigeria who I'm helping. I've got a family from Turkey who I'm helping. I have a nice dude from England who I'm working with, working on his kick serve. So I'm starting to build up an online client roster. And the cool thing about our online school is that I work with all the players personally and coaches. So whoever's on the online school at clta.teachable.com, they get to work with me via email and WhatsApp. And I think there's nothing else quite like that out on the Internet. So the quality of the course is very good. The courses there are really cool, but you also get to work with me. You get to pick my brain all the time, and I get to guide you on your your journey, whatever you're working on, whether it's technique or, or something else. But I see we've got some regulars tuning in. I know we lost some momentum the last couple of weeks, but we'll build back up again. I hope everyone's doing well and everyone had a good week of coaching or playing. I had a very busy week this weekend. As I said, I was traveling. And then this weekend, I taught another 24 hours, but it felt longer just because maybe I was working all week doing the coach education course in Vermont. And I just felt like I was struggling a little bit, maybe wasn't on my A game this weekend. I maybe had to go to my A minus game, but you know, champions don't complain. Champions train 
and champions always find a way. You know, I'm not going to whine and complain about it, but I didn't feel like I had my top stuff. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm a little burnt out. Need a couple of days of of chilling. What do you think, Sammy? What do you think, bud? Come here. Come here. I'll give you some hugs. All right. I think Sammy missed me. I was traveling a lot. So, guys, this is my Sunday Q&A. If you have any tennis questions, you can let me know. I've got some ideas on my mind that I might share with you all. But if you have any tennis questions on technique or tactics, shoot them out at me. I try to answer everyone's comments. And you can also share your ideas. We'd like to get an intelligent conversation going every Sunday night, 9.45 p.m. on Facebook. And then if you ever want to watch the replays of my Facebook show, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt, and you can check all the replays there. We have an archive of all my shows there. We're building up quite a library of videos on my YouTube channel, and our YouTube channel is growing quite rapidly, so I'm, I'm very excited about that as well. Let's see, let's see who we got on the program tonight. Larry R. Klein is watching. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for tuning in. Larry's a regular. Let's see who else is on the show. Leo or Leo Bordon. Borden is watching. Thanks for waving, guys. I appreciate the waves. Also, let me, let me know where you're shouting out from. If you're coming from international or if you're local, local to New York. I'm in New York City right now. Mandowen Capitarao. Wow. I can't even pronounce that name. Bibar Yamax, I'm not even going to try that last name, buddy, but I appreciate the wave. That's the biggest name I've ever seen on the show. Congratulations, you're the big winner tonight. Brody Queel is watching. I believe Brody is a regular. Thank you for tuning in, my friend. Thank you for the waves. Gonzalo Silva is watching. What's up, Gonzalo? Thank you for waving. Appreciate it. I'm going to wrap here while we start to build up the... The conversation. Fabian Perolin is waving. Thank you, man. John Logan Minier is waving. What's up, John? John's a regular on the program. Thank you for watching. Appreciate it. Guys, if you have any tennis questions, let me know. Pick my brain. I've got a lot of tennis on my mind. Shoot them out at me and I'll do my best to answer. We're talking maybe some technique tonight, maybe some tactics. I love to talk junior development. I wrote a big book on technique called the Tennis Technique Bible, and I love talking technique. That's probably one of my favorite subjects. I'm a hardware coach. I love working on the hardware side of the game. Also, I'd love to talk Spanish tennis. If you have any questions about Spanish tennis or Spanish training, that's something that I, I do very well. I wrote a book on Spanish tennis called The Secrets of Spanish Tennis, so... I definitely have a lot of expertise in that subject, and I've been training and studying in Spain for the last 12 years. So I love talking Spanish training and the next evolution of Spanish training. I love talking technique, especially hardware development. So anything along those lines are right up my alley. And anything related to junior development, high performance, training, serious players, prodigies, talented young children, I love talking about those kind of topics as well. One of the things I love especially is helping families. So if you have a child who plays tennis, I, I love getting parents on the program who are asking me for help about their kids' development, whether for their son or daughter. I, I really enjoy 
helping families, especially parents from around the world who maybe don't have access to really good coaching. So if you happen to be a parent and you have a, a young player who is in, in the junior development world, you know, on the junior circuit and you need help, you have questions about their development, tournaments, anything like that, just shoot them out to me and let me know. Those are some of my favorite questions to answer, questions that help children. I, I believe my mission and my passion in life is to help children, uh, especially children internationally and, and families who may not be able to afford high-level coaching, uh, high-performance high coaching lessons. I know those can be quite expensive at times. So any way I can help families like that and, and provide that service on this program, I would like to do that. I think that's a really beneficial thing that I can do for, for those folks. So tonight, what's on my mind? One thing that's bothering me, guys, I, I might get off on a little rant here, though. I'm, I'm just sick and tired of Primarily old people, but just people in general at, at the club, a few clubs that I frequent and people complaining that I grunt too loud. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pro circuit player, former pro circuit player. I'm trying to come back a little bit. We could talk about that too. I'm frustrated about that, but you know, I'm a high level player. And, and when I'm busting my ass on the court, if I'm playing with a top ranked junior, I'm probably going to go into my, my normal grunting mode, you know, and it really pisses me off when I get shushed. I was going to post this on a Facebook group, but just such a, such a pain in my ass when you got like some old lady who's shushing me and I'm trying to work, I'm busting my butt, you know, I'm, I'm playing points or grinding with, with the junior and I'm getting shushed. Not only am I getting shushed, but sh some guys, they start swearing at me. I've had, I have some old people. They just start swearing at me. I'm not going to use the word because this is a family program and I'm trying not to use bad language on this program. I'm trying not to use the BS word. I've been using the BS word a little too much. I'll start to use like maybe garbage or trash or something. I've been using, I'm trying to cut out the BS because I want children to be able to watch the show, especially the replays. You know, I'm realizing that a lot of children might be watching the replays on YouTube and I got to watch my language. I don't want to be a bad influence for these children. But anyway, I got one dude at this local club where I coach. The, the dude starts swear. Every time I, I'm coaching next to him, he starts telling me to shut the F up and in front of the children, in front of the kids, like the kid. My student is playing right there. The guy's just swearing at me to shut the, you know, shut the, you know what up. And I just think that's so wrong. I complained to the tennis director and he, he intervened. But what a difficult situation for pros. Like, what do you guys do? Are any of you guys coaches out there? Like, what, what the hell do you do when people want quiet? Like, especially the, the NTRP ladies, like the USDA group ladies, man, these, these ladies are vicious, you know, like they just, they keep shushing me like it's a very rude shush. It's not even a nice shush. It's not like a like a shush like, could you please be quiet? You know, I just, you know, I'm trying to focus here. It's more like a like, shh, like shut the hell up. Shh. It's driving me crazy. And I, I'm sitting there trying to work. I'm busting my my ass. Uh, I'm grinding and, and, you know, maybe I'm tired. It's a long day and I just need to, you know, grunting helps you play better. It helps you helps you focus and play better and it's so difficult 
You know, and, and I feel like everywhere I go now, it's a problem. The other thing is I have a big booming voice from my grandfather, the general. You know, I've got that big military voice. And I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I, I have that strong coach's voice and my, I really get in my students' head. And, you know, some coaches are very quiet, but I'm, I'm typically not one of those quiet coaches. I like to use my voice to, to sometimes intimidate, to sometimes get the message across. You know, I've got that. My dad was an opera singer and my grandfather was a general. So I got that big booming voice and, and I'm just getting criticized for it. You know, I'm getting chastised for, for, what I think is very good coaching because I think when coaches are too quiet and too meek, a lot of times it doesn't go over so well. Hold on a second. I'm just going to take my sweatshirt off. I don't know. Like, what, what do you guys think, man? Did anyone ever, am I the only person in the world with this issue? You know, what do you think, Jeremy? I see Jeremy's on the program. Jeremy's a regular. What do you think, buddy? You ever get shushed at the club? Like if you're talking too loud, you know? Oh, we got technical questions on the board. All right, we'll go with that. But I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? What am I supposed to do if I'm grunting and I'm, I'm booming my voice like, like a top coach? You know, I'm, I'm doing high performance coaching and then all the old ladies and the men, the men are swearing at me and the ladies are shushing me like a real nasty shush, not like a nice shush, like nasty with the evil eyes. Like they're sending, they're stabbing me in the, in the, in the front or the back with their eyes, you know, they're sending me the mad dog and I'm just trying to do my job. Well, you can't always go up to the net and talk nicely. It doesn't always work like that. You know what I'm saying? All right. Jeremy's on the program. That means we're going to get some technical questions made. What's up, Jeremy? That's Jeremy Malfay. Thanks for waving. Murad Khan is watching. Thanks for waving. I see the show is heating up. David Hawkins is watching. Thanks for waving, guys. I appreciate the waves. Michael Furman is waving. Alejandro Mauricio Fuentes is waving. What's up? We got to get this program a little pumped. I'm chilling, but I'm a little pumped up because I'm a little grumpy. I'm a little wired because, I don't know, these old people are bothering me at my place of work. Let's see. We got a question on the board. I'm going to do my thing. John Logan Minier, tennis says, what is the first question of the night on the Q&A? Does it matter if you start a youth player with an Eastern, semi-Western, or Western grip? Awesome question. I like this question. What's the good, bad, and ugly of each as far as a starting point? Great question, John. I like it. It's right up my alley. Prodigy maker. Come on, prodigy maker. All right, I'm going to tell you what I think most a lot of top coaches say start with the eastern it's good advice you know because it usually slips a little if you're not paying attention I think highlight what I said not paying attention I like to start right away with the grip that I want typically that's a semi-western you know I think that's pretty much the go-to grip nowadays is the grip that you see on the Pro Tour. I don't mind an extreme semi-western. I can break out my racket, get my son's racket if you want to, if you want to look at the bevels. You know, Jeremy will get a laugh out of that. But anyway, I think semi-western is the way to go. I would never start a kid with a western, full western. You know, just, I don't think there's a need to do that. 
basically I like the semi-western and you want to see if they can generate good RPM with the semi-western and then maybe they might edge up to like an extreme semi-western right on the border of western for me if they want to play a little heavier you know I like that heavy Spanish ball I don't think you're going to get that with an eastern grip so I, I don't I don't really teach an eastern grip to be honest with you I don't even do that but I know a lot of top coaches who I've studied with who they recommend starting with an Eastern and then, you know, sort of letting it gravitate towards a semi-Western. You can do that, man. That's fine. You can go that route. I just, I just think teach it the way you want it. And then, and then just keep your eyeballs on it. Don't let it slip. You know what I'm saying, John? Like a lot of coaches will say it's going to slip, but you don't have to let it slip. And by the way, if it does slip, you can just fix it. Like if the grip slips over over a tournament and the player comes back with more Western than you want, you just fix it. It's not the end of the world. So I don't really buy that it has to. You have to start at Eastern. You know what I'm saying? Let me know if you have a follow up on that. I would never start with a full Western just because I, I don't really like a full full Western. I think some you can do everything with that. Pretty much everything with a semi Western or extreme semi Western that you can do with a Western. You know. What else? I think problem with the Eastern is you can't get a lot. You know, the name of the game for me is rotation. I want a heavy ball. Teach that Spanish forehand. With the Eastern, it's really tough to get. Some of the Spanish guys can do it. Maybe like Verdasco. I don't know where the Verdasco's at. It's kind of like Federer grip. or It's tough, though. Really tough. You have to have an unbelievable elastic arm. Fast twitch to create RPM. Like the way Federer does RPM with that grip is... I think pretty rare, in my opinion. Very difficult to do that. I like the semi-Western, extreme. I don't mind extreme semi-Western. One of the things is I see a lot of coaches in my neighborhood here in New York who are changing an extreme semi-Western and they're forcing the kid back towards like a composite, like an Eastern or a conservative semi-Western. I think that's a big mistake. I have a number of students who their coaches ruin them completely ruined their forehand because they thought the grip was like a little little bit too extreme like that's a bunch of you know what that's a bunch of bs that's a bunch of shuck and jive dare i say it's kind of a kind of, i don't like that these guys they 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 think they're doing the right thing by making the grip more conservative and what they're doing is taking away rpm and they're taking away a kid's confidence I have a little boy who I'm working with. He's about 11 or 12. And the, pretty much the coach almost ruined his game. Like he is seriously thinking about quitting tennis. He completely lost his forehand over six months due to a change of grip. They were trying to make it more conservative. And I've seen so many players who were getting good RPM with me. And then they go elsewhere. And maybe the coach is encouraging them to hit kind of flat, kind of linear, take the ball super on the rise. And also some coaches are changing the grip more conservative and they're losing the RPM. They're losing that heavy ball. In Spain, they call it the effect. You can't lose the effect. I don't know if you guys know what the effect is. They say, you know, you got to hit con efecto. You got to hit with effect. And I'm a huge believer in that. And I don't know if you can, I don't know if you, if you've never been to Spain and you never see them working on it, it's hard to know exactly what the effect looks like. I, I'd have to show you guys on court or show you like with a high-speed video maybe or or some, some there's got to be some way to demonstrate it. But it's when the ball rotates really fast and then it dips. It dips 
really quickly into the other side of the court and, and the ball runs. That's another term they use in Spain to make the ball run. And I think once you have that, you never try to, you never do anything to sabotage the effect. Once you have the effect, you cannot do anything to lose it. And I see a lot of coaches doing that, whether they're doing it on purpose or it's by accident, unintentional. I think it's unintentional. They're losing it. So from the age of 10 to 14, I see my primary job on the forehand is creating massive racket speed and very good effect, trying to get that big effect. Not every player can play with the effect, but I'm trying. I'm trying to get it. And you, it's very hard to get it with an Eastern grip. All right, John follows up and he says, let's see. I agree with you. I don't force anything that's not working for them, but I agree with everything you said. All right, thanks, John. I appreciate that. I like, I like that. I guess we're in sync there, you know. I think it's a myth that you have to start in the Eastern. I guess that's the bottom line. It's a myth. It's not, not the end of the world, but why not just, just start the kids the way you want and then keep, keep your, keep your eyeballs on the player. And then if it slips a little, all right, you know, change it back. But you, you hear these coaches talking about like, if it slips, like, woo, don't let the grip slip. It's the end of the world. And you got to spend the next year. No, you don't have to spend the next. It's going to take like a four weeks or six weeks, maybe to fix it. You know, try, try not to let it slip. And if it slips, you just fix it. It's not the end of the world, guys. You know what I'm saying? Sammy, what do you think? Got an opinion? Sammy says, I like tummy rubs. Is that it? Tum tums? Tum rubs? Woo woo woo. This guy, you, you, look at that face. Look at that face. Look at that face. This guy is such a sucker for tummy rubs. He loves the tummy rubs. All right. Okay. 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 It's like, doggy heaven when I give him the time rubs. All right. John has a follow-up. John says, all right, we're getting a good technical conversation, guys. This is what I like. We're getting an intelligent conversation. Is the effect the ability to raise the ball and drop it into the court with heavy spin? That's what I work on the most. Yes. The effect is this. Well, it looks, it, it has a certain look to it. Like number one, when the player swings the forehand, swings the racket, it's like this unbelievable whip. Like the racket is like a blur, like a hurricane, like a tor tornado. Whoosh. My mentor in Spain, Mr. Bruguera, he says, zoom. And so as the racket is approaching the ball for the hit, it's like this Blur, this incredible blur, this incredible whoosh. And then, yeah, the effect on the ball is the ball is going, bam, 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 bam. the ball is rotating very fast and it looks like it's going to go out and it dives in. And I've seen it, some guys have it and some guys don't. Like when I play pro circuit, when I play a guy that's got the effect, I have a tremendous respect for that forehand. You know, it means they're, they're very elastic and they're generating a ton of juice and a ton of spin on the ball. And what else? The other thing with the effect is when you play someone with the effect, it bothers you. It feels heavy. It feels different. 
it disturbs your contact point. The ball jumps. So the ball could jump up high, like a, 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 a shaped, a shaped ball, like a heavy high ball. But the ball could also, if it's hit low, it could also run forward. It can run fast. And this is kind of how they describe it in Spain. You know, they, they say the ball, when it hits, it has to run, has to take off. So that's kind of what I've been obsessed with for a long time now. And so I created this, I don't know, this system, whatever you want to call it, like a method for developing this whip. And that's what we did in this last course. We call it hashtag whip. It's my new digital course on the forehand. And that's what's kind of what it's all about. Like, how do you take a kid who's like seven, eight, nine, or how do you take an, even an adult, like a beginner or intermediate, and how do you create this Spanish effect on the ball? It's very difficult to, to get from A to B. And I've been doing it a long time, so I got a good system for that. Yeah. All right, guys, shoot me some of your additional questions. I want to hear about technique. I love to talk about tactics, junior development. April Summers is waving. Thank you, April. Thank you for waving. We got a good discussion going. Diego Silveira is waving. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'm chilling with my dog, Sammy. It was an incredibly long week, guys. I was traveling. I was doing a coach workshop. I was filming for a new digital course. I was all over the map this week. Uh, then I came back and taught two days straight, 12 hours each day on the court, just grinding this week, grinding. And got a busy week coming up. I was also working on the ambulance this week. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to have to get a little rest and then come back strong. Gordon Paul's on the program. Gordon, what are you doing? Are you sneaking over? I didn't even see you sign on, man. What's up? Gordon says, great workshop. It was a great workshop. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming. And we've got some, we've got some good ones coming up too. I, I'm excited that you're going to come back. I'm excited that you found some value. If you have any questions, Gordon, let me know. Let's see what else is going on. I really would like somebody to explain to me, is it just my problem? Does nobody else have the problem where you're getting shushed? By the, like the USDA ladies, you know, and it's driving me absolutely bananas where I'm getting shushed. Some guy told me to shut the F up. I mean, I'm, I'm loud, but I don't think I'm obnoxiously loud. And, you know, pro tennis players, they grunt. I've always grunted since I was probably a little kid. And I'm not going to be this country club coach that like shuts his mouth and like goes up and has little whisper conferences at the net all the time. I'm not going to be that guy. I mean, I like those conferences at the net, but there's a time where you're playing, if you're playing with a kid and you're 80 feet away, you're not going to come to net to talk to them every single time. Like I had an old lady tell me that. She's like, why can't you just go to the net to talk to your player every time? And I'm like, yeah, I do that, but I can't do that every time, you know? All right, we got some questions on the board. I'm going to do my best to answer. Did you guys know that this program, we're going to podcast? I'm very excited about that. That's what's up right now. We're going to podcast so you guys can listen to the show. Like when you're exercising, I love listening to podcasts when I'm exercising. And 
You can listen to it in the car. You're going to have a great, we're going to take the audio from this show every Sunday. We're going to put it into a podcast so you guys can listen to it all week and we'll get all of the audio from the previous shows. We'll get those all archived so you can have a whole season of podcasts available. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about that actually because it just takes the show and puts it in another format and you can listen to it while you're jogging or working out. You know, I work out all the time because I'm a beast. I love listening to podcasts. So we're going to do that. Let's see. John says, it's okay, John. Ask, ask away, man. It's kind of a, looks like it's kind of a chill night. You can get all your questions in and we can have an intelligent talk. Let's do it. All right. John says, what's your take on the open stance only? No need to ever step into the ball ideology. Another great question, John. This is stuff near and dear to my heart. So with the open stance, I think you should teach both, especially to young children, you know, high-performance players. They should teach both. You want to teach the closed stance, the, the neutral stance, whatever you want to call it, because there are times where you have to step into a ball. There's times where you should take ground, and the, the primary way to take ground is by stepping forward stepping down into the court. So you want to teach players to move forward with a closed stance or a neutral stance. I just use those terms interchangeably nowadays. And you, players should know that when, they, when they're moving forward and taking ground, that, that's the best way to cover grounds with the, with the good stepping in. And on the flip side, when they're moving wide, that's prime time for the open or semi-open stance. I use those terms interchangeably too. So I think that's the best way to, to frame the stances when you're teaching children or teaching beginners or anyone for that matter, any, any, any age. You know what I'm saying? So you teach both. And then what I like to do is let players gravitate towards one or the other. Some players may be a little more, they may like the feeling of the closed position some of this has to do with the eye dominance i believe there's there's a very good coach in spain joffrey porta who believes that stances are 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 oftentimes influenced by eye dominance so that's kind of an interesting take on it that maybe you haven't heard or maybe you have heard but i don't think most coaches are tuned into the eye dominance and the way laterality it's the study of laterality it's called laterality and the way laterality affects the stances for example players who are like I'm left eye dominant. So on my forehand, I like to stay a little more open because I want to line up my left eye to, to the incoming ball. And some players who are, uh, who, who may have a different dominance in their eye, they may set up differently with their feet, you know? So like on the back end, on the back end, for example, I try to stay a little more well, I, I try to stay at least a little more open with my upper body. Basically, the eye dominance affects technique. So on the back end, I try not to turn quite as much because I don't want to block my dominant eye, which is my left eye. I have a one-handed back end. Anyway, so there's some interesting influences from eye dominance and the study of laterality, which is the study of dominance in the body in terms of the eyes and the hands and the feet. It's a whole scientific study, very interesting area of study. Actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to studying more with Joffrey. The, the guy's name is Joffrey Porta. He's a very well-known coach in Spain. And he builds his whole philosophy based on eye dominance and laterality. Very fascinating dude. Very smart dude. Outside the box thinker. 
you know. So anyway, getting back to your question, you know, with Oscar Wagner and the whole open stance crowd, open stance all the time, every time, that's not right. I, I don't think it's right. There's many times where you want to step through the ball and like, for example, transition, you do a front foot hop off the, off the front leg and it's better for transition. And, you know, I think that there's a place for both. I, I doubt we'll go completely open stance in the future. Maybe it's possible that decades from now, we just won't see the closed stance anymore. I, I think it's possible that the technical evolution way down the road could be completely open, but I don't think we're there yet. And at the moment, I think it's pretty safe bet to teach both and let kids experiment with both and to primarily stress using open stance moving laterally and closed stance moving forward. I think that's pretty safe right now. But there's a possibility that down the road, open stance will just take over. You know, open stance and the explosion and rotation from the open stance may take over. Like I'm looking to see if, if the one-handed backhand ever changes. I can't believe how close the one-handed backhand is at the world-class level. It's incredible to me that the one-handed backhand is still that close. I hit it that way. And I, I, I just don't know if the, if, if it can sustain that with the way the, with the pace of the game and with movement at a premium, if you can close up the stance that much on a one-hander, even the two-handed backhand is very close. You see the top ATP players and they really close up their stance a lot on the two-hander. John Yandel's at tennisplayer.net's done a lot of study, a lot of good studies on that, a lot of high-speed video study documenting that that the two-handed backhand is extremely close at the top level. Maybe there's some exceptions now, but most of the top two-handers are very, very close with the hips. Shoulder turn is there. I guess the shoulder turn will always be there. But I mean, my feeling is down the road there may be an evolution, but it's probably pretty far away. You know, maybe there's going to be some. Maybe Oscar Wagner's. Maybe he's. Maybe he's a visionary. I don't know, but, but I would never teach it always open. And I, and some of the stuff that Oscar's teaching, I just, I just unfortunately don't agree with. He's a really nice dude. I like him. I had some good conversations with him, but you know, in Spain, they still, they still teach a lot of closed stance. A lot of the academies teach closed stance in Spain. Uh, the, you know, the, especially the older ones, you know, they, they stress the stepping in. The other big thing that I have, John, uh, that I, that I have in mind on the stances is that I worry about the hip injuries. For me, that's something I'm always aware of. There's a lot of, there's a lot of theory about the, the extra, that there's extra stress and load on the hip with, with open stance explosions. So I'm really cautious about that with young kids, how much open stance they're doing and whether they're really torquing their hip. I really watch that carefully and I try to use common sense and get them to do a little more balanced movements in terms of stepping in a little more, maybe 50-50 open stance and closed because I want to take some load off of the hip. You see a lot of hip injuries on tour and a lot of good sports scientists that I've spoken to and good trainers and physios and strength and conditioning guys are worried about the hip. So I don't know if we have any conclusive evidence on that, but there's just enough concern from the professional community where I, I, I'm concerned. And I think that good coaches should be careful about loading up little kids' hips with, with extreme explosions all the time. Another important 
related idea to the open versus close, you know, in the open versus closed debate is, in I like to teach the open stance and the explosion, you know, controlled explosions because it helps get the parabolic swing shape. I'm really big on that. So my problem is for for players who are very linear and they're they're taught to step in all the time it creates a very linear stiff swing i really believe that i've seen it a lot so i believe in using the open stance to help with the swing shape when you teach an open stance and you get the hip uh pulling the racket through you can create a parabolic round swing which is really important for me and i think it can help the with the elasticity as well so those are some ideas for you. Let me know if you have any follow-up, and I will try to answer. I want to try to get to a few other comments here on the board. Michael Furman says, Gordon had the most interesting questions. Yeah, Gordon's a sharp guy. Gordon did have a lot of very good questions at the workshop. And Gordon, you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. That's what That's what makes workshops great is because you can share ideas and you know, ask probing questions. And that's part of what, what to me makes a, a workshop really interesting when you start to get a nice discussion going and you start to hear perspectives from different intelligent coaches. If all the coaches are dumb, it's not going to be much of a discussion. But, you know, I appreciate those smart questions, buddy. David Hawkins says, USDA ladies are a special breed of people. Yeah, I know. I know they are. I, I know. But what am I supposed to do, man? I'm not a country club coach. I'm not one of those dudes, you know, like I'm a, I'm a high energy guy. I've got a big booming military voice. I, I play still at a very high level. I compete with my students, you know, I grind with them and I'm, I'm putting out a lot of energy. You know, I'm not just phoning in the hour and not moving my feet, not working, not accelerating where I don't, I'm not going to grunt when I hit the ball. You know, if I'm playing, if I'm, if I'm playing seriously, I'm going to grunt just like I do on, on the circuit or at a tournament or something. I don't know, man. I just, it's driving me crazy. This is why I bought my own club. I just wish I was at my club year round. So I'm down in New York during the winter and I'm up at my club in the summer. I wish I could be there year round. My wife won't, she won't move up there. So I'm stuck. I got to deal with the USDA ladies and these old dudes that just want me to shut up. They want me to be like a little quiet country club coach, quiet as a mouse. You know, I'm not like that, guys. You know, I'm not quiet like a little, little, little mouse, mousy Chris teaching this lesson. Shh, shh. I'm not going to be that guy. You guys know that. Am I wrong? I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it. They paid a lot of money. They want to have like their quiet hour. I don't want to sound like a jerk or anything. I just, you know, I, I just want a little respect. Like I'm a serious coach. I'm not goofing around over there. And sometimes you got to yell at your students. I mean, it, you, I'm trying to give my students a really good lesson. Sometimes they just need to be yelled at. You know, sometimes you got to, you got to bring the boom, the booming voice. I can't have the old, so I'm at this other club and the tennis director comes up to me. He's like, dude, you got to really keep it down. You're getting a lot of complaints, you know, getting a lot of complaints, Chris. Your students are too loud and you're talking too much. And they said my students are too loud. My students are all like serious ranked players. They're not like the typical country club kids. They're actually working their ass off, you know. My students got to be quiet. I got to be quiet. Everyone's getting shushed. 
This is why I want, this is why I bought a club because I didn't want anyone to shush me anymore. I got so frustrated at people shushing me. And I mean, really mean shushes. I'm not, I don't mean like, like, Hey, Chris, could you, could you just be quiet? I mean, like a shush with like the evil eyes, like, like a terrible, vicious shushing, really mean shushing and it just drive me crazy. And I told my wife, I said, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm not going to rent courts at any club anymore because I'm just going to buy my own club. I can't take it anymore. And that's what I did, but I can't go there anymore. I can't, I can't work year round at my own club because we're all settled here in New York. You know, we can't move the family. You know, I got lots, I got three kids and we're, I got, Sammy doesn't like it up there because Sammy has no hair and it's too cold up there. So Sammy's unhappy up there. You know, in the winter time, what am I supposed to do, guys? John says, I was once told by a director, I work for a country club that I had to be quiet when the USD ladies matched. Yeah, it's a really, it's really, it's really a bad situation because there's just this big divide. There's the, there's the old classical people, <coughs> like classical tennis players, and they're coming in like an all white, you know, they're wearing like the long pants and the sweater and everything. And there's a certain vibe at certain clubs where you're not allowed to say nothing. And tennis coaches are supposed to be really, really quiet. They're not supposed to say anything. They're supposed to have these little whisper conferences at the net. And no one, God forbid, no one's grunting. God forbid your students or you grunt. Cause that, that is, that's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a huge, brouhaha it's going to be major conflict if that happens and you get these people that are paying top dollar for the courts and they just want to you know these people treat the pros the staff pros like shit and i'm i'm sorry i'm trying not to use this language dang it they're they're treating these staff pros like garbage you know they just walk all over these staff pros i am not a staff pro i'm an independent coach i lease time at these clubs so these people think they can treat me like you know what, and they can just talk smack to me, you know. But no, I'm not going to take that. I'm my own boss. I have my own business. I lease time at these places. I'm not going to be tramped on, you know. I'm not going to be disrespected like that because I, because if I worked at the club, like if I was a staff pro, I couldn't say anything, like because. These people rule the club, like the USDA ladies rule the club and the old dudes with all the money, they drive up in the Porsche and they rule the club. Like, I don't work for the club. I'm independent. So they think they can talk to me like that. They can't. I usually, I usually talk right back. I say, what do you, I say, usually we have a whole argument about it. I'm like, no, you be quiet, you know, because some of these ladies are super loud, you know. But no, I got to be quiet. You can say all you want over there, but I'm not allowed to say a damn thing. I'm getting, people are paying me a lot of money and my lessons are very expensive and the parents want me to talk. They want me to talk to their kid. That's what I'm getting paid for. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting off on a rant here, guys, but it's kind of funny and it's, 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 it's bothering me. I just want to get it off my chest. It's bothering me. I almost got another argument this weekend. It's driving me crazy. If you work for the club, you're totally screwed. There's nothing you can do because those people will go right to your boss and you'll get in trouble. You probably get fired if you, if you talk too much, if you're too loud. But fortunately, I don't have that situation. 
Like there's one club where these old dudes, they're complaining every week. One dude walked up to my student in the middle of the lesson. He walked up to my student like 12 years old and he's like, you, you got to be quiet. Hey, keep it down. I'm like, I'm like, no way. You can't, you can't talk to my student like that. Not in the, God forbid his, his parent, his mom wasn't there. His mom would have totally freaked out. There would have been a huge, huge battle right there between his mom and this old dude. Would have been like the UFC right there. MMA cage fight. Anyway, what's my point? My point is, it's an, it's an impossible situation. It's basically, you got these country club folks, old school folks who think that tennis should be quiet. And then you got, you know, high performance coaches and high performance players who are loud and energized and they're grunting and they're working and it's just a totally different vibe. The two vibes don't connect. And if you're working at a club where you have some USTA ladies or you have some old people playing, they're just, they're just not going to understand. They're not going to understand why you have to be loud. And, you know, I don't know the solution. The solution is to buy your own club and teach at your own club or start your own academy or something, which is what I did, but I can't live there anymore. I can't live there full time. It sucks. All right, Mark Frampton is waving. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for waving. He's a regular. Let's see. Arcady Freckman is waving. Arcady's a regular. What's up? My man Tuan is waving. What's up, Tuan? Technical dude. We're having a good technical discussion tonight. We were talking about grips. You know, what grips you start out with earlier in the program. We were talking about open stance versus closed stance. I see we're getting some activity on the comment board. Let's see what we got. Gonzalo Valdivieso is waving. What's up, Gonzalo? Thank you for tuning in. My man Hugo is waving. What's up, Hugo? Hugo's my assistant coach from France. Gordon Paul is waving. Gordon Paul says, thanks. You're welcome, Gordon. You're a smart dude. I like smart tennis coaches. That must be why you're on our program, the highest IQ tennis talk show on the internet. <laughs> All right. Mark Hansen is watching. What's up? Thanks for waving. Guys, shoot me out your questions. Any questions on junior tennis development? Any questions on technique or tactics? Any questions about how do you get those old people to shut the hell up and stop bothering you when you're trying to coach? You can ask me those questions too. You can ask me how to deal with old USDA ladies who are louder than you, but they tell you to shut up. Ask me about that question. And I'll do my best to answer. All right. John Logan Minier Tennis says, John's just blowing up the program tonight. What's your take on the slice, setup, contact point, racket face, angle, follow through? Okay. The deal on the slice is, you got to wrap it around your neck. That's how all the top guys are doing it. Like that. You got to choke yourself and bend your elbow. I've got some really good videos on my YouTube channel. John, why aren't you on my YouTube channel? I've got some great slice videos. Go to my YouTube channel for the slice backhand playlist. I've got some solid gold on there. And don't forget to subscribe. Like and subscribe. You got to wrap it around your neck for the acceleration, bent arm. 
and you got to accelerate downward. You know, the angle sort of depends on the, the height of the ball and the situation, but the big thing is the strings are not nearly as open as you think. You think the strings are like really open, like the knuckles are way up at impact, and actually, actually they're not. If you look at high-speed video, the angle of the racket face is fairly vertical. I'm not going to say vertical, but it's it's pretty steep. And then what happens is a after the impact, the wrist changes and it opens. And so at the end, it looks really open, but it's actually not that that open when you're sl when you're chopping downward. So that's just I don't know if that interests you at all, but that's sort of the deal. The follow through is interesting too, where the follow-throughs are, are kind of coming across now. You see Fed doing that. A lot of guys like Dolgopolov, they got this. Some of these guys have a very wristy, extreme sort of finishes. And you, you just, the old idea that you have to stay in line with the shot, I, I don't know if that applies anymore. You have to stay in line extending through the impact. But once that ball is gone and you extend a little bit through, there's a lot of new style finishes on the slice, and I don't think many coaches have talked about that, where guys are sort of coming across a little bit, they're coming across the plane of the body, or they're having like very wild, loose, exaggerated follow-throughs. It just doesn't seem to matter what happens with the follow-through as long as you stay with, you know, 12 to 24 inches through the impact, as long as you're extending through that line. And you're just seeing a lot more of finishes on the slice that you would never see in an old old school textbook. So I, I would like to just, you know, make that observation. And just because the, the strings are more are pretty vertical at impact doesn't mean you try to get kids to open. You 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 still try to get kids to open their racket face. But the actual reality is it's not going to be that open at impact, you know? So that's a few ideas for you on the slice. My, I guess my point is because most kids are too vertical, so you tell them to open it, but in your mind, you know that based on the high-speed video, the slice is, is is pretty vertical at impact, which is surprising to me. Like when I set it up, you set it up really open, and then you come through and you're pretty vertical or you know pretty steep with your racket face angle, and then it opens up again. It doesn't stay really open all the way through. It's open vertical more vertical and then open you know what i'm saying it's kind of interesting but you tell kids to open it you tell kids to open it because they're usually too you know most kids hit their slice too flat they don't get enough action they don't get enough effect on it all right so i hope that helps let me know if you have a follow-up looks like you do john says would you teach the big wrap around take back and the big follow-through with a new player mm. Yes and no. I know the progressions you're talking about, like like kind of shortening it up. You can do that. You can do that and add the, the you you can do that and add the the bigger, longer acceleration later. You can definitely do that on we're talking about the one-handed slice and the technique. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You can also start it with kind of a straight arm, like an arm bar. You can start it kind of with an arm bar and then progress to the bent elbow. But I don't know. Lately, I've been just doing the, the arm around the neck right away. And those, those finishes too, 
you, you don't you can wait on those too. That I wouldn't necessarily teach those finishes. I I still kind of want the kids to go through the ball, staying on the line, twelve to twenty four inches extension. But when you see the racket coming across a lot, it's not always the end of the world with a high level player. With the young ones, it usually indicates they're not strong enough, so they're not able to break the racket. I don't mean break as in B-R-E-A-K, I mean B-R-A-K-E, break. They're not able to like put the brakes on the racket. Their shoulder's not strong enough, so the racket drifts across. With young kids, you often see that drift across the body on the follow-through. So I don't know. Th- those are some ideas for you. Let me know if you have a specific follow-up, and I'll try to answer. But, yeah, you could start out a little shorter, especially with young kids, definitely, just to get sort of the impact right. But I guess... At some point, you, you have to explain to them that to get a really good slice, you have to wind it up. And all the top guys do that now. Dolgopolov, Federer, you name it. You know, they're wrapping that thing around the neck because they need the racket speed. They need to create the, the effect, the backspin effect. Dolgopolov's an unbelievable slice. And he's got a lot of like excessive follow through and a huge wrap around his neck. Like that's a good example of, for me, like the modern prototype of a big time slice. Federer too. Federer's got a big wrap. And he's, Federer is one of those guys who does, he oftentimes finishes kind of low and low and across, which is kind of interesting the way he finishes. But I have sort of a theory that that generates more racket speed. By coming down and across slightly, it, you can j- get a little more racket speed versus the classic going through. So I have sort of a pet theory about that. I can't prove that, but it's just sort of an idea I was tossing around in my in my brain. So we got some more questions on the board. I'll do my best to answer. Let's see. If you have any more slice questions, guys, let me know. Gael Pitts Black says, what is your take on the new ITF Pro Tour changes? Thank you for asking, Gael. I think it sucks. I'm so bummed. Basically ruined my year because I'm one of those guys who still plays pretty high level. I think when I'm practicing full time, I can get, I can get around, I can get back to about a 13 UTR. So I can still play with all the college kids. And I'm really pissed because I can't play the, I can't play right now because I, I only play like a few months out of the year in the summer. And basically I'm shut out. The quality draws are too small. Such a bummer. You know, they get, there's a lot of part-time players who are good. They're good players and they can't play pro events anymore. They can't compete with the, with the, the best talent out there. It's kind of a bummer. And I just think it's a shame that they shut out all the guys like me who are, you know, not, we're not, by all, by all means, I'm not going, I'm not pursuing a going back on tour or anything like that, but I can still play great. And I, I have a, I have a, I think a right to play at the low level, uh, ITF circuit. I think that's where, where my level is. And I'm not able to play this year because the quality draws are so small. I might play a few wild card events to try to get in, but it's just such a bummer, you know? It used to be 64, or 128, or th- even 32 draw. Now everything's like 24 draw and nobody's getting in and just puts like a big damper on everyone's spirits. I just think it's a big, party pooper, like a big fun sponge. <laughs> it's like a big fun sponge. Like the ITF just took everyone's fun away. And and now I don't see why they had to do that. I think they could have left the, the lower level circuit the same. I've written about this. I posted some, I made some posts on social media about this. They could have just left 
the lower level kind of the same and and op- more open qualies and just make the challenger just make the challenger circuit more exclusive and more smaller and more competitive i think that would have been fine i i just don't think it's necessary to shut a lot of guys out that's kind of how i see it i don't know what do you guys think i think that what the itf is doing is trying to make everyone play the itf junior circuit what they did was they're really smart they they made it so that the guys who have a good itf junior ranking have have the advantage when they're entering the the pro it's not called pro circuit anymore you know the itf world tour events so basically they they're making it so that all the juniors in the world need to play ITF. You know, it's very important to play ITF on the pathway now. And they're very smart about that. That's that's what they did. But I just wish they could have done that and maybe not shut out all of us part-timers. Because you know, we buy hotel, we buy hotel rooms, we buy food at the restaurants, we pay at entrance fees, we buy balls and rackets and gear and you know you're shutting out a lot of people there thousands and thousands of good players who are very competitive they're just not playing full time to get a ranking you know if i was playing full time I, I would have a good i would have a very good ranking somewhere but i'm a coach you know so i so i play i play just a little bit each year each each season all right any more questions guys i see some old friends on the program wow Nick Wagner is on the program. Very accomplished coach. What's up, Nick? High performance coach. Let's see. Ben Sterner is watching. The legend, legendary Ben Sterner is on the program as a regular. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate it. Thanks for waving. Ben, you have any junior development questions? Let me know. I was talking about how the old ladies at the club were driving me freaking bananas. I'm trying to clean up my language, guys, because we have a lot of children watching the replays. Because I thought no children would watch, you know, late at night on Sunday. But I've got a lot of children watching the replay on YouTube. So I'm going to try to watch my language and make this show PG. Try not to use the BS word too much or anything else like that, you know. Want to keep it family style, you know. Just like my academy. We're on a family style academy, family style program. Keep it PG so some somewhere down the road I can get picked up on a major network or channel, you know. I want to get on a big channel. I want to get this podcast and get this show out there more. Right now we're we're just kind of keeping it keeping it quiet, but we have plans to grow the show into something that will get out to a bigger audience. You know, I'd like to grow the audience and grow this community. Guys, let me know if you have any technical questions. Any questions about junior development, any questions about Spanish tennis, any questions about the pro circuit, anything like that, let me know and I'll do my best to answer. Looks like Sammy's just chilling. Let's take a Sammy break. Sammy and Lammy. Hey. Sammy's going night-night. A little Sammy time. Get him a tuck here. Look at this, guys. Got Sammy, we'll put the blankie on him. Got his ducky blankie. All right, night-night. Night-night. Okay. All right, Sammy's going night-night. You know what that means, guys. I may have to go night-night soon. I put Sammy's ducky blanket on. He's feeling better. All right, any last questions about tonight? I 
Got a big day tomorrow. My son's starting a new school, so I'm super pumped about that. Very excited, but it's a little stressful, you know, like you don't know if he's going to be nervous. It's a new environment, so we'll see what happens tomorrow, guys. Say some prayers for me with my son and a new school. Jim says, hey, Chris, talking to my son who called. We'll have to review the early part of your show. Hey, what's up, Jim? Yeah, it was a pretty good show. We had a good technical discussion going. We were talking about grips and what's what are better grips to develop. What's the best grips to develop uh, in young for young players? We we're talking about stances. You know, has a, had a good discussion going there. We we're talking about the Spanish effect, how to put more spin on the ball, things like that. You know, stuff that you know, stuff that I love to talk about. If you have any t- last minute technical tactical questions, guys, let me know. Let's see what's happening this week. Have you guys checked out my latest show, Prodigy Maker Live? It's a great show. Episode 25, guys. Go check it out. It's a great episode. Today, we filmed it. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. Check it out. And what else we're doing? We're making this show into a podcast, so stay tuned for that. It might take me a couple weeks to get all the technology ironed out, but this show will be streamed on a podcast so you guys can listen to it when you're working out, which you should be, staying healthy. You can listen to Chris when you're running the treadmill or riding the bike or whatever you do, hitting the weights. What else? We've got a very, very exciting gym. we got the new course, hashtag whip. It's available. The new course is now available. Hashtag whip. I've got to get you access to that because you earned it. You were making a lot of comments on the YouTube channel and you earned that free course. So let me know how I can get that to you, Jim. We got to talk. We got to set that up. The course is now available. Hashtag whip. Hashtag whip is my Spanish, modern Spanish digital program. So you can go online and study with me. You can take the course and work with me via email and WhatsApp personally on your new Spanish forehand. You can learn how to get the efecto, the effect on your forehand the way they do in Spain. And I'll guide you through the whole process. Rodi, Roddy, Roddy or Rodi? Roddy Marsucci or Marcucci is waving. Thanks for waving. I appreciate it, guys. Miles Blackman is waving. Salifu Muhammad making his appearance. Thank you, buddy. Awesome. It's good to have the regulars on the program. I'm sorry that I missed you all. It's been two weeks and I was traveling and I was working on the ambulance. So, you know, it was a busy two weeks, but I'm back. Sunday night. We're going to get the Sunday night show rolling again every Sunday night, 9.45 p.m. You can tune in, guys. All right, we're getting some thumbs up. If you have any last-minute questions, let me know. I'm going to hit the night-night sack soon. I see Sammy is hes basically asleep. So, you know, when Sammy starts to hit the bed, I start thinking about the same thing. Katatoshi Shimizu is waving. Thanks, guys. Guys, check out my YouTube channel this week. We're going to be doing some more cool videos on there. I will be... Doing some more diary work, my training diary. I'm in training. Guys, can I just 
have like a little diary moment here. It's not really part of the show, but I'm feeling a little stressed right now because I'm training. I want to get ready for the spring and summer season of tournaments. I want to see if I can take out some high UTR college players this spring and summer. And I'm, I'm a little bit stressed because I got a lot of balls that I'm juggling. I'm having trouble finding the time to train. And one thing that I wanted to talk about in my online diary for, for YouTube is as you get older, you never know, like, when is that, when it's going to be the year where you can't compete with the young guys anymore? Like, is it going to be this season? Is it going to be next season? It's so stressful. Like, I'm always, I have these big doubts in my mind, like, is this going to be the year where I just don't have it anymore? Where, where, you know, I, I play some college kid and I feel like way, I, I, I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked or something. I'm not going to be able to, to, to do it, you know, and, and I don't think it's going to be this year because I still got game, but I know it's coming. It's, it's stressing me out. Does anyone else have this stress? It's like a constant fear in my mind. I'm like, nah, is it going to be this season? Am I going to lose my racket speed? Am I just going to get a little bit slower than I used to be last year? Just not going to be able to cut it anymore. And I'm terrified. It's terrifying me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I can't compete with the young guys anymore. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to play the senior circuit. I guess there's no shame in that, right? I could play the senior tour, right? Something like I could play the ITF seniors, the veterans. Something like that. Play the USDA gold ball circuit, like shoot for a gold ball maybe as an adult. I could do something like that. I mean, tell me I shouldn't be so stressed. I'm, I'm, it's like, it's, it's terrifying, you know, to get old. It's terrifying. It's like your whole identity is, is my identity is wrapped up in my tennis game. If, if my tennis game goes down, I feel like my whole identity is going to get smashed up. Gonna, it's going to hurt my my self-esteem really badly. Anyway, it's stressing me out. And, I, and I'm having trouble balancing all of, you know, I have three kids. And I, I'm trying to do their sports. I'm trying to be a really good sports dad. So I, I, I run with my son. I'm my, I'm my, run, my son's a track coach. My son is a cross-country runner and track and field runner. So I, I want to train him. And my daughter's doing competitive wrestling. And she's doing competitive spelling. We're in the middle of spelling bee season right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, I, I want to train for myself, but I don't want to, my own train to, to take the place of my kids train. I, I want to make sure my kids are getting, they're the priority. And then I try to find time for myself around my kids training. So I'm just feeling really pressured to get ready. And I'm feeling that, that weight of getting older. It's like a big weight wrapped around my shoulders or like an albatross. It's like an albatross circling overhead, like waiting to drop down and and eat my remains or something. It's just very, it's very scary stuff to get old. And every year when I start training again, I, I feel really bad like my timing's off you know i've been coaching a lot when you coach it ruins your game so i've been trying to stay sharp as much as possible but there's no substitute for playing again and and you come back and you're not playing that well and you get this terrible fear like maybe this is the year maybe this is the, this is going to happen I, I this is i'm never going to get the level back that i used to have in the glory days it's never going to come back 
And then you play a few more days and you start getting your rhythm and you realize that, oh, okay, I still got it. I still got some game. But you know there's going to be, there's going to be that moment. I mean, have you guys ever had that moment where you're, where, where you're just like, you turn the page, like it's an inflection point and you're like, you know, I just can't cut it anymore with younger players. They're just, they're either too powerful for me or I, I don't move the way I used to. It has to happen to every pro. Like it, like it happened to Pat Rafter. He, I remember he did an interview talking about that. It probably happened to Agassi or, you know, like Federer is still going strong. Karlovich is going strong in his forties. Rafa's in his early third, mid thirties. You know, the guys are playing older and older now, but it's terrifying. It's like when your whole identity is wrapped up as a tennis player and, and you, you know that, that at some point you're going to lose that identity as a great player. You're not going to be able to compete anymore. It's just, it's really bothering me, guys. Anyway, I'll share some more thoughts this week via my diary. I'm doing a training diary on my YouTube channel. You can check it out if you're interested in my training. I want to play some big tournaments coming up this spring and summer. I'm excited. And also, I've got some new family videos on the YouTube channel. Really cool stuff. You can check out, like, my daughter's wrestling match. You check out some stuff that Sammy's doing. Like, I don't know, he's, like, licking his balls or something and doing something doing something really cute i film it i put it on the youtube channel anyway got some cool stuff on there i think everyone should subscribe to our youtube channel and blow it up we're trying to be the next c day or laser beam my students joke about it. like chris you're going to be like laser beam i'm like yeah i'm going to be like laser beam i'm going to blow up but i don't know it's so so difficult to build an audience on youtube it takes a long a lot of work we're working really hard on that. I think we have a great channel. I don't think a lot of people know about it, though. It's an unbelievable channel. We put up new videos every day. Really good stuff on there. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize what, what's going on on the Chris Lewitt YouTube channel. All right, guys. I see Nicholas Wagner's on fire. What's up, man? We got to connect. Maybe come visit this summer, right, in Vermont? Jimmy Hennessy is waving. What's up? Gabe Cuervo Jr. is waving. Thanks for waving, guys. Appreciate it. I think I'm going to sign off here. I'm kind of losing my voice. Got to get up early and get my son ready for a new school. Wish me luck. Send me your prayers. I hope this new school works out. Very, very important. You know, I don't know if you know, my, my son has uh, a lot of anxiety. So he's got some special needs. And we found a really good school for him. Therapeutic school. I'm very, very hopeful for this week that he has a really good first week at his new school. He's going to get some extra help at school. Going to conquer his anxiety. That's right, Isaiah. Going to conquer that anxiety. So I've got a big day tomorrow. I think I should get some rest for that. Keep me in your prayers. If you believe in God and you believe in prayers, keep me in your prayers for that. And I will see you guys on the next program. Remember, every Sunday night, 9.45 p.m., also, look for our new podcast. It's coming out soon. This show will be rebroadcast as a podcast. I'm very excited about that. Check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And you can always email me. If you missed the program and you have questions that you'd like me to answer, I do answer many questions from families around the world, from coaches, via email, chris at chrislewitt.com. Chris at ChrisLewitt.com. That is my service to you, my service to the tennis community. I don't charge for that. I answer 
questions all the time about development and technique and things like that. So if you have any tennis questions that you couldn't get me on this broadcast, shoot me an email. You can also add a comment to the comments page on Facebook uh, to the post. And I always check those and try to answer all the comments if I missed any comments. All right, guys, have a great night. Have a great week. Work hard. Be a good role model for your students if you're a coach. You know, got to demonstrate good discipline. Be a role model. And, and demonstrate good character for your students. Demonstrate good values. Your students are always looking up to you. And if you're, you're playing, if you're competing, good luck this week. I'm getting ready myself. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm getting sort of the, the hunger to compete again this spring and summer. So I'm hoping my body stays strong and healthy. And I'll be updating you guys more on my, with my competition schedule and my training. Guys, have a good night. God bless. Peace. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find archives of all Chris's shows at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt or search Chris Lewitt on YouTube. You can watch the live video broadcast of this program weekly on Sunday nights where you can ask questions and comment in real time on Facebook Live. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the live show. Please share our programs with friends and join our online community. You can join Chris Lewitt's Online Tennis Academy at clta.teachable.com or visit chrislewitt.com for more info. Chris's latest published articles and additional video resources can be found at prodigymaker.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.